And a lot of this year, I was looking for somebody to take over and manage and label and just like let me just rest and be an artist and not have to deal with any of that shit. But like that stuff is part of the art. If I can bring a good attitude and a creative attitude towards fulfilling all the tasks that go along with this career, it actually impacts the songs a lot too, and just、um, allows me to to do it and to want to do it. Threshold, it's artwork, a show about the joys and struggles that arise when your art becomes your work. I'm Peter Nelson. On today's show, we'll speak with Corey Kilgannon, a Seattle-based singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist. We'll talk about his approach to music, faith, house shows, and even capture a spontaneous crow fight. It's gonna be a hoot. Let's start by listening to a track off his latest album called "Easter Sunday." Sam and Peter and John went fishing out to the ocean to escape their nagging wives. If I have one more hook. Comes up empty. I'm gonna go get drunk with Judas tonight. Easter Sunday, those choirs singing. Jesus stands there, idly by. Was it for pastel dress and chocolate candy that I was fucking crucified? Where are you calling from or videotaping from?、Uh, I'm home. I'm in Seattle right now. I live、uh, just a couple minutes north of the neighborhood Ballard. Oh yeah, for sure.、Um, yeah, I'm just sitting on my back porch. I've got a nice little view of the sound. Dude, look、Ballard. at that. We're so I'm I'm from Seattle originally. I moved to Spokane. Yeah,、oh. yeah. I'm from West Seattle. I I moved here two years ago from、cool. from Seattle. So,、okay. uh, that's great, man. So, how long you been in Seattle? Uh, uh, almost exactly a year. I just—it was a couple days ago、uh, on the dot that I moved up here. So, where from?、Um, Florida. Florida.、So、I picked the worst.、Um, I struggled, man. The first six months were gloomy. George, I'm doing. I'm working. You can't meow at me.、Um, can you hear that? Yeah,、no, it's <laughs> fine. Insane. Okay. <laughs>、um, yeah, I moved up here a year ago, just in time for the brutal winter and. Gloom,、uh, which was very difficult as a Florida kid, but、Dude. starting to settle in. Nothing like the... it, is it? I mean, you, you hear from people about the 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 gray, but you, until you've lived yeah, it, it's it lingers. It、it's, does, man. I don't mind a gray day every once in a while, but when, like even this week, the sun's out today, but it was like five or six days in a row of just gloom, and it really gets me down. But I'm working on it, <laughs> surviving. Yeah, I actually grew up in Phoenix and、uh, moved up、oh, to、okay. Seattle、oh、when、gosh. I was a teenager, and yeah, had that same battle for years and years and years.、Yeah. I remember, uh, uh, God, it was like in 
I don't know, 96 or something. There was a summer we had where you, I think we had maybe three days of sun, like the entire oh summer, gosh. you know, and you go through a span yeah. where you're just sitting in the gray all, all, you know, winter waiting for it and it never comes. So let's just start from the beginning. I'd love to hear about your background, where you grew up. Obviously, it sounds like you grew up in Florida. Yeah. Um, I moved to Florida when I was five. Uh, so I'm from New York, though I try to distance myself from uh, being in New York City boy of any kind but um yeah i grew up by the beach in florida and um got into playing music super young i played in church and had like a ton of um had a pretty religious upbringing and that was how music uh first came into my life mm. yeah i said this on stage recently and got in a little trouble for it but i was like that's where i learned how to manipulate people's emotions with yeah. music <laughs> i heard that i was uh, raised in the church as well southern baptist sure. so uh oh, wow. yeah that's the most brutal of yes all. indeed um yeah. so uh, siblings parents married all yeah, that yeah yeah uh, my parents were together as we grew up they split um right when I left for college, which was really what provoked a lot of the first kind of EPs and writing. I was just sort of combing through that. Um, but no, we, we grew up in a fairly nuclear family. I had uh, my, my younger sister who's two years younger and she sings a little and does music. Yeah, like all, all together a pretty, um, I mean, I guess not a normal childhood, but it, it was um, unmarked by any like huge trauma or significant kind of life events. It was pretty normal American uh, going to church, going to school, doing the thing. Would you consider yourself kind of a, an artist from the get-go? Did you feel like you were a musician from the get-go? Or were you an athlete, a, uh, a nerd? I mean, I think I, in a lot of ways, I'm just starting to accept the full responsibility of like, oh, I'm here to be an artist. Like, that's uh, that's my role here. Um, not that you ever have to submit to one role 100%. But um, I, I dabbled in sports, but music took over pretty young. I mean... Um, by like middle school, I was much more interested in that. And by high school, that was kind of what I did five days a week was play music at church. So I, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I was making EPs and stuff too. So I think even I, as a I, kid, I, like a yeah, teen, like yeah. age 15 was kind of when me and I, I met the guy who still records a ton of my music. Um, and he was, uh, I played a missions trip benefit show for a friend at a sub shop and he came up to me afterwards and was like hey i record let's uh try recording some songs and see what happens and then um so that sort of launched me into thinking more and more about it but um mission trip to mexico was it yeah, I, I went yeah. To mexico um this was this show was for other uh uh, another guy, I just remember it being a benefit show for somebody else's thing. I just, I was always down to play whenever. Um, but I went on tons of mission trips. I've been in, in, yeah, I've actually been processing that a lot lately. I'm very thankful for the opportunity that I got to travel and kind of see, um, poverty and see other countries and see other cultures, um, at a young age, even though the intention behind those trips, I, I have a hard time swallowing um these days i mean i'm always you know down to go and help those who need help and do all that but um the sort of evangelical aspect of faith is pretty much gone for me right. but um what de denomination were you uh, raised in the main one i grew up at was like a non-denominational kind of mega church vibe so that was that's where a lot of um i mean for a while i was writing pretty candidly angstily against church and against religion um I, I don't feel so much of that now but i i do feel that towards 
certain sects of American Christianity really, really bum me out. And the mega church culture is kind of one of them. Um, but then I, I ended up landing at a kind of smaller church for the rest of high school. That was, uh, they were a little trippy. They would like, they always answered that question with like three dom- denominations mixed in <laughs> together. So they, I guess they just need to start a new one. But, That's right. Um, I don't know. I just never found myself that interested in um, that, you know, the, the labels and titles of that stuff. So how did that, so you talked about, um, you know, your, your parents' divorce kind of playing a role in, in helping you kind of maybe pursue music. How did that work? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I wanted to, um, but I sort of was thrust into it. And, and I think I just realized that even, you know, the songs of my youth were probably, uh, they, were, they were still emo and sad and introspective and just like, um, that this, that's been the way that I process and, and inform myself of what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing. A lot of time that's just come out in song um, since, you know, 14, 15 when I started doing it. And so um, I, I would say if anything, it just raised the stakes quite a bit. Um, and um, as far as faith, it was just, you know, I, I wasn't Christian and I was religious because that's what I grew up as. And so whenever that got ripped out from under me, it was like, suddenly I just felt like none of it was real at all. And I um, kind of had to rebuild from, and I'm thankful for it, but it definitely just ripped it out from under me in, in any sense of like um, feeling a part of it was, was just gone. I don't, know, I, I don't and, it, and the timing was, you know, I had just moved off to college and just like, um, I think there were certain natural coming of age processes of, of making it your own that were, happening underneath and I'm, I'm seeing those more clearly in hindsight but at the time i just felt very confused and hurt and angry at god whatever i conceived that to be and angry at christianity and angry at my parents and you know um, all just very normal things for a 20 year old to experience but sort of dramatized and yeah i mean it, it just music was a place to kind of pour that energy and and search for those answers and ask those questions. Um, and were you playing in a band or were you still doing kind of more solo work back there in college or pretty much been solo. I, and I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I've always had people kind of a rotating cast of folks that come along and play with me or like want to be a part of it, or I want them to be a part of it. But um, I've always felt drawn to the solo endeavor and I've always written the songs pretty much by myself um and it's been a very kind of personal intimate process i'm i'm currently interested in forming bands and like approaching music from other perspectives than just like a place to air my grievances and i'm um, trying to have a little more fun with it frankly but yeah um, for for the last 10 years since i really started writing songs at all and putting together pieces um it's been sort of a a solo endeavor and that and that to say um, that wouldn't have happened without the help of many, many people. So it was, it's not to say like it's a one man show, but it's just been, um, I've been the driving, you know, the artist behind it, not, not, not put together by a group, I guess. Now, um, what's some of the musical context that you came out of? You're what were you, are you a child of the nineties? Uh, yeah, I was born in 94. So, I, I mean, truthfully, I, I grew up listening to, like, Christian radio okay. and Christian rock bands and, like, 
Um, I mean, there and there's some that still stick. Like, I mean, Switchfoot was a huge influence, and they I still love them to death. And there's some that hold up, but um, really, in the last four or five years, I I realized there's just this wealth of other music that I uh, want to explore, namely like 60s and 70s stuff has been huge for me but i also uh, i went to an arts high school so i was definitely getting other influences i was just uh emailing with some friends the other day and they, they sent me a jazz record and it, it it struck that i had studied it in jazz history class and i was like man that's really cool that in high school i took jazz history you know like I, i've always been very blessed to have other influences as well even if when i look back i'm like oh i was always listening to christian radio because that's kind of what was playing in the car um yeah, I've I've always I like a lot of music. I, I'm not, um, I don't think I like music based on the genre. I just like it based on if it's good to me or not. Um, so, did you do any training academically? And and it sounds like you took some theory, but did it go beyond that? Yeah, took took theory in high school, um, and I was in choirs like, um, and and that school is called Douglas Anderson. It's it's a really really awesome arts high school in Jacksonville. Um, pretty. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wish I had gone there all four years, and I'm very thankful for the experience. But um, I've, I've had teachers and trainers along the way. And, um, definitely kind of picked things up from a variety of different uh, outlets, and, and even church was one of those. You know, right. I mean, there were some great musicians. The the caliber of musicianship to put on those mega church services is pretty high. So um, it's a performance at the end of, of course, the day. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, your music has a definite uh, lyrical depth to it. And as I've been listening to it, going through your catalog and um, I'm just curious about where that came from. Did you, do you do a lot of, do a lot of reading? Do you consider yourself also a writer? Um, you know, I've spoken to a lot of musicians and lyrics are kind of an afterthought if they're considered at all. And it's, you know, kind of like, well, it's a real struggle to just find, you know, kind of something simple to slap together, but it definitely seems like it's, um, a significant part of what you're doing is the lyrical sure. component. So I'm curious about where that came from. Do you have influences that you look to who kind of guided you on that? I consider myself a lyricist first. Um, and, and I love to make music and I'm, I'm growing in that. But the lyrics, and that's probably, that defines if I like a song nine times out of ten. If, if the lyrics aren't moving me or getting my attention, it could be any arrangement of sounds behind it. But I just like won't really... Uh, it won't hook me and and that's okay but um yeah I, I i struggle to think of myself as a writer in other capacities especially like i i like to dabble in writing poetry and, and doing things like that but um I, I guess i feel like there's other people that dedicate themselves to that craft and it's a different craft than songwriting and so i don't want to um i don't want to suppose that just because there's similarities and just because i can do it that i've I've put in like the time and, and sort of the grunt work to be able to call myself that. But also, I mean, I just, the labels are kind of, you know, I write poetry. I like to write, I'm interested in writing more long, long format stuff, but I, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to not rush into anything like that and to just focus more on developing, um, that, which I know I'm, I'm kind of here to do. And that's songs, you know, I, I love to stitch songs together and have that format think it can carry a lot of weight and does that process tend to come from like when you're writing a piece does it start with a riff does it start with a uh a concept where does that come from generally um 
I think there's patterns. I don't think there's a pattern. I, I would say that just in general for years I've had um, ongoing multiple, you know, possible lyrics uh, in journals and in phones and like multiple riffs or progressions that are sort of running through my head. So it's, it's sort of chaotic and just um, kind of the slow process of over days piecing all those uh, swirly melodies and words together into something a little more concrete and and sometimes i understand that process i'm I'm really working hard right now at um taking ownership of that process and and reconstructing it so it serves me and i'm not just being dragged around behind it and trying to figure out what the hell i'm doing but that's part of the fun too is just uh, they seem to come out of nowhere they seem to be floating out there and a lot of times I feel like I'll never write another song again, and then someday I'll wake up and write one. So it's it's very mysterious. Uh, I hold it kind of in a spiritual place too. I, I don't I don't think it's quite so simple as to boil it down into just sort of the economy of words and melodies. Are there methods that you have though? One, you know, if you're kind of struggling to uh, maybe you have a, a composition, are are you? Are there techniques you've come across that you're like, you know, sometimes this this helps. I've, you know, with writers, I'll have they get into a funk, we'll have a certain technique just to get the brain stimulated and to kind of yeah. start thinking creatively. Do you have anything like that to, that you've come across that's been helpful when you're when you're stumped on a on a passage or a particular totally. composition? Putting it down is a big one, and I um, I was just listening to something with the Avery Brothers the other day about do you know I don't know if you're familiar with them, but uh, yeah, they're big song right now uh, when my body won't hold me anymore uh, it's no hard feelings he was saying it took him eight years to put that song together and i just thought what a what a gift to be able to have an idea and respect it enough to just well maybe i need a year of life before i have the second verse of that song but there's also tons of tools i'm actually going through a book called the artist's way right now that that's sort of equips you with tools uh just to stay open to your own creativity and not do things that put it down or, or, or talk negatively to it. So recently for me, that's been uh, morning pages, which is just first thing in the morning, writing three pages longhand of whatever the hell I'm thinking about or going through. It's not artistic. I don't read it. I hope nobody ever reads it. If they do, I'll probably get locked up or something. But um, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just the the endless torrent of thought that runs through our heads as human beings. And getting that out sort of clears up space, but I've just never felt, and I try to resist urgency. I guess that's the big thing. It's just, I don't need to write a song today or this month. You know, I I have, and I'm in a good position because I'm sitting on a lot of material right now. I had a really prolific couple years where songs were just flowing out and it was almost too much. And so now I, I feel like I have time to just sit back and comb through it and not worry so much about where the next one's coming from. But there's so many tools to stay healthy with that and, and approach it. You know, I, I'm certainly not inventing the wheel here. So it's like trying to just learn from other artists who approach it in ways that contribute to their mental health and not, not letting it beat you. I don't know, it can, it can just really feel hence in a negative way sometimes with your latest record it it um definitely feels like a kind of a conceptual piece there's a lot of references to 
America, of course, yeah. and, and our current state of fuckery. Yes, um, that's a good word for it. The direction, you know, the assemblage of the different tunes, was it an intentional piece? Did it come afterwards where you're like, oh, I'm seeing a theme here? Or sure. were you really trying to dig in, in, and um, kind of work out some themes? Because yeah. I do, I see some repetition there uh, with the use of a lot of American, you totally. know, uh, melodies and whatnot. So I'd love to hear some some thoughts about that. Yeah, that record is such a mess. I mean, it was really fun to make. I don't, I don't know how much digging you did into what I've put out there on the interwebs, but I, I have a side project type thing too, and that was um, Phaedrus or something. Yeah, Radiant Phaedrus. And so a lot of the songs on this record were already done over there, and that was from like. Um, really just an intense like two, three months of uh, uh, kind of perspective shifting. And um, a lot of those songs just came bursting out and I felt an insane amount of like urgency and uh, delusion of like, I need to get this out because this is like saying exactly what America needs to hear. And like, I'm writing all these songs about Trump and everybody's gonna, and I put out a record under that side project and it sounds horrible. I mean, I was smoking pot the whole time recording it by myself <laughs> in my bedroom and it sounds horrible and I, and I love it. And a lot of the lyrics were really cool. And so I guess like a few years later, getting to watch the first four years of, uh, this <laughs> fuckery, as you would put it. Um, I just, I felt more balanced and, and more just like, oh, I'd like to just make like a really well-spoken thought through album uh, about all this stuff. And some of these songs, I just feel like never really got to see the light of like a proper recording and, and kind of the gentle care and, and that goes into making an album. So it really was like kind of a four year process for that one because wow. uh, or three and a half years, it was early 2016, late 2015. Yeah. Almost four years. Um, of having that material and just being really unsure of the appropriate way to put it forward. And, and I truthfully don't, don't feel like I nailed it. I still feel very unsure of how to enter dialogue about America and about white privilege and about race and sex, you know, like, um, they're topics that I freeze up about if they come up in a group of friends, I'm, I'm unsure. And so, um, as always song has just been the, the vessel for me to, express feelings and thoughts about it and it came together really beautifully with the help of a lot of friends and a lot of deep conversations and <laughs> big reality checks and ego checks and um, but yeah I, I can't really say that i had this master plan the whole time by any means but and you recorded that down in florida or was it up in seattle mostly in new york actually so the guy who found me in the sub shop full circle uh moved up to brooklyn a couple of years ago and that's where i did the hollow two and um a lot of those b-sides recordings and in, in this last one up there and that's I, I think i alluded to not wanting to be in new york a lot a lot of uh being up there was sort of exploring family of origin stuff and, and sort of trying to visit my own history and my own tendencies and i i, I love the city but i hate the city you right. know? it you. brings out you. so much uh so that's yeah lately i've been trying to record here at home or at home in jackson just in more peaceful places because new york really it's not um it's the chaos you know it's the yeah. human madness at its pinnacle and it's beautiful in a way but it's the chaos it's hard to it's hard for me to stay remotely healthy anyway it's interesting i think one of the things that i i hear throughout a lot of your your works is a real sense of restraint which um don't hear very often I'm, my tendency i'm a musician as well and when i would get into recording situations 
would find myself if it was something was acoustic. I would kind of be like, "Well, God, we need some. We need a you know a percussion in here. We need a crescendo." Yeah. Um, and that might be just my roots from coming from the '80s and '90s punk <laughs> sure. kind of culture. Um, but I'm curious about how you manage to keep that restraint because there are moments where I hear something. I'm like, "Oh, this wants to blow up," and it and it you know, lyrically, you're 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 having that impact, and but you keep it very subdued sure, i'm just curious yeah. about your decision making like when that comes out like where where do you feel like okay because you are a solo performer where you're like this definitely requires a big oomph i, sure. I need some extra hands on deck i need a floor tom right 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 um how do you do that like how do you balance that in in, in the decision making process yeah uh well it, it's a team effort and all, all of them have been whether that's will the producer or the other ones it's it's usually kind of fighting, not fighting literally, but just um, surrounding myself with people who their first instinct would would not be to the lyric. It would be to like the coolest vibe or the best version of the song and, and learning to communicate and, and find that middle ground. Because for me, it's I, I want them to always feel like they could be broken back down to just guitar and vocal or piano and vocal because that's how they start. They all start that way. None of them start with a floor tom in the room and maybe someday they will, but it, it always starts very stripped down and like I, I want the message to be enough. Like it could just be guitar and vocals and it could still be worth listening to. Um, so then everything after that is sort of just extra flavor, but I, I don't know setting out exactly what I want, but if I hear something that it doesn't work with me, I know it usually way too quickly and it's been a, a journey to be more uh, patient and kind and, and not have a tight grip over what I need the outcome to be because usually it's better when I don't um, but yeah I, I mean uh, that's sort of a process that just uh, trial by error I mean there's yeah. versions of some of those songs on the new record that are just totally different than where they ended up and sometimes it's like we're beating our heads in against the wall and it's like oh let's just mute the drums, bass, and electric, and listen again, and then it's like, ah, oh, like it's been right there the whole time. You know, we've just been, we've went way past it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just it takes a long time. It takes hours and hours and hours of trial and error, and and, and learning to take really just take a break when you need to. I mean, we're actually my buddies here. We're making Christmas music last night, and last night we're just uh, going on and on, like working on stuff and having technical problems. And it's like, if we had just taken a two hour break and come back to this with fresh perspective, I think we would have found it so much quicker. So, hmm. um, the, the process, uh, the process, not, not that that means anything specific, but like, so long as the process isn't causing, um, abundant frustration or like not enjoying it. Any, anytime you're not really, really happy to be there working on the song, kind of think it serves the song better to just put it down for a little if you're and that's the problem with recording in studios is you know you might be paying for the day and so you can't put it down and right move on but yeah it, it's it's a little chaotic i don't i don't know exactly what i want on the songs but um lately for me since that album i've had the opportunity to sit down with just like an engineer or kind of work on it myself and give myself an opportunity to explore the song sonically a lot before I invite other people to play on it. And that's been really helpful just because then I do have a stronger sense of what I want and where I want it instead of, Hey, come play drums on this song. What do you want me to play? I don't know, just, just see what you feel. You know, it's, you know, it's fascinating. Like I heard a great interview with spoon, you know, that band spoon. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and uh, they were talking about their latest record. Uh, the one before they just put out and talking about their approach to recording and, 
it was really fascinating. They will actually, so I think they record Dave Friedman, who used to do a lot of work with uh, uh, Flaming Lips and, and all those guys. But um, they would go in and say, you know, as a group, talk about what do we want this record to sound like? We want it to be a Bowie-esque record. Is this a, you know, uh, is this going to be a pop thing? Is this going to be a 50s RCA vibe? And they actually kind of come in with a with with the producer with the kind of sense of where they want to go it's it's interesting um and i you know it, it just is kind of reinforced a notion that i've kind of learned over time about the impact of producers on records sure. right that you come in with a, a particular song and whoever you have at the at the uh, helm can make and break that piece you know it's Absolutely. really it's it's really interesting it's an i think seldom talked about part of like the recording process the role of that production that can absolutely like take your song and your vibe into a totally new direction and oh for sure get a little talkative crow or something <laughs> <laughs> there's i don't even know if i can describe to you what just happened it was like a crow fight on the roof right next door <laughs> awesome they're gone now one of the overarching ideas I want to kind of explore is uh, is the reality of art being work. You know that it's a real challenge. It's not easy, and if you're pursuing what you what you love, man, it is a chore. And yeah. we all have moments where we're down and we're you know trying to figure out why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. How do you get yourself back up um, and on board? Sort of holding yourself as an artist and as a person, seeing them as you know intrinsically connected and and it's the same, but it's also two different things and like trying to find uh, self-worth and acceptance apart from being an artist and just know that I'm allowed to like be a person. Cause like you said, it's work and like the work of an artist, there's nobody punching the time clock or, or telling you when to and when not to work. So, so even when you feel like you're not doing anything, often I'm just dry, I'm working myself thin, even if that's just in my head over a concept, like I'm not giving myself permission to just like go do something else. And not be an artist for a few hours go you know for a walk in the woods and just make it about something else so that that keeps me going uh friends just so many friends have just invested and like poured uh their time and energy into what i make and reminded me uh that it's important and that it heals them i I get a lot of emails and fan uh you know messages and the content of those really moves me because it's it's rarely oh you're such a good singer like you're so whatever you know it's they're usually very very deep they're usually hey this song like really connected to me i just whatever blah 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 it goes on and on and and it reminds me that um my particular viewpoint and how i craft songs lets people a little further into themselves and and kind of makes them feel okay and that that you know, in a beautiful way that keeps me going, but also uh, somehow stumbled into it being my job. So there are days where you just like, well, do I want to work a different job or do I want to like sack up and work on, uh, you know, just like send the emails I need to send or like do the, 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 I was listening to a podcast with them. I'm totally blanking, but they asked him some question about being a rock and roller. And he's like, well, people underestimate how much being in a rock and roll band has to do with, making and organizing spreadsheets and i thought it was really funny and it bothered me at first but i was you know he's right like especially as an indie where you're not in in a lot of this year i was looking for somebody to take over and manage and label and just like let me just rest and be an artist and not have to deal with any of that shit but like that stuff 
is part of the art. If I can bring a good attitude and like um, a creative attitude towards fulfilling all the tasks that go along with this career, it, it actually impacts the songs a lot too and just um, allows me to to do it and to want to do it, not just feel like I'm burdened with this gifting. You know, it, it can feel like a burden and like it's for everybody else, but it doesn't fill me up. So uh, lately the focus has been how to approach it in a way that I'm stoked every day about what I'm doing and putting out mm -hmm. and creating and how people respond to it is up to them. It's not really my business. I read one of your Instagram posts, uh, maybe a oh, month God. ago or something <laughs> where you said you were, you're taking a break. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, not a man. big, big fan of, of the social media, uh, world. Um, it does serve a purpose. I've, you know, it's, it's the challenge. Cause I've, I feel like I've learned about so many interesting musicians or guitar pedals or whatever yeah, through that sure. medium. But there's a lot of garbage too, and and especially yeah. I'm sure as a as a personality, a musician who has people who follow you, how do you uh, handle that? How do you manage that? Where are you at in that process? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a big and a big thing for me has not even been. I mean, and I'll scroll. Don't get me wrong; I get swept up in the garbage. But even the beautiful aspects of it, like receiving those messages and and having my making myself available 24 7 and, and a lot of times it's been impossible to resist like you get a, a message from someone who loves your music and you just you open your phone and you respond to it right away or like um caring so much about how many likes the post gets or like how to f perfectly phrase the album release caption so it like seems per and it's just like so unimportant and it's so not what i look for in an artist and yet i i'm I fool myself into thinking that it matters more than anything else. And so right now I'm just kind of off of it. Um, I'm, I feel the need to post every once in a while to, to hopefully sell some tickets or like, um, you know, whatever, but I'm just deleting the app and staying clear off it. And, and I can't explain, I mean, I have a real life example because this week I was supposed to post, not supposed to, I was wanting to post something two days ago so i re-downloaded the app and then i wasn't quite ready and i had the app on my phone for a full 24 hours and just noticed differences in the way i approach life um, for me it's comparison a lot like just having that five minutes of dead space and instead of sitting with myself and just looking around i'll see what everybody else is up to and, and my mind doesn't need to know what everybody else is up to totally. I, I don't need that in my life at all and i, I suspect just in general that as a species we're kind of unsure of how to respond to this technology and and i think it, it nets positive i'm not like anti-social media but i for one just want to really relearn my relationship to it and and i was on it at a young age i mean I, by 12 years old i was on facebook posting mayday parade song lyrics looking to kind of manage my emotions that way and and i just really would like to uh, sort of use it on my own terms but mm -hmm. we, we all see it i mean just the compulsive scrolling and use of social media um it's just you know it, it is a little world but it's not the only real world and um, natural world that we find ourselves in is has a lot to offer wherever we are um so i, I don't know yeah trying to put creativity into it and make the posts authentic and weird and creative and fun is cool and i'm into it but uh, I'm, I'm really struggling to integrate it into my life in a positive way so right now i'm just kind of taking a break artwork is brought to you by threshold
You're an artist. You have a unique craft. You're passionate about that craft. Maybe you're an author, a speaker, or have a podcast. Or perhaps you're an actor, an athlete, or an expert in your field. People love what you do, and you have fans all over the globe. Too bad you need to be incredibly famous to get in front of them. Not anymore. Welcome to Threshold. Threshold helps artists of all kinds organize events in their fans' home or business anywhere around the world, swapping the stage for unique, intimate settings. Whether it's a living room in Paris, a rooftop in New York, or a design firm in Singapore, Threshold makes it easy for artists to find the perfect host and sell tickets to their shows. Perform your songs, discuss your latest book, hold a cooking class, whatever your art form, Threshold will help you find your fans and earn a great living off your craft. Because at Threshold, home is where the art lives. Sign up today at Threshold.co. Let's talk about house shows now. Um, yeah. Would love Which to hear I'm playing you. one in Spokane, by the way. I don't know if Which you saw I just that. found out about. Yeah, okay. I'm going to be yeah, there yeah. with Carly. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. dude, I can't Perfect. wait, man. Um, so I'd love to hear about how you started playing house shows. Where'd you sure. first learn about them? You know, something that's interesting that I, I'm, I'm realizing a lot of people don't actually know about them. You know, I'll talk to yeah. people like, hey, I'm going to a house show or... Um, do you know what they are? And people are kind of like blown away. Like, what do you mean people are coming to your house? And I don't yeah, understand yeah. the concept. <laughs> so I, I kind of take it for granted that people understand what they are. But how did you first hear about them? And Trying to remember if that would have been a thing. Because in high school, we were playing the 800 cap venue because they had a bunch of locals and, you know, selling 50 tickets and never getting paid. And that was that was like just what we all did. Um, right. And, and looking back, if we had been doing house shows, man, that would have been so much different um the first like real instance that comes to mind was uh i think just kind of in college like they they were happening in nashville people were having house shows and, and i was interested in them i know Derek webb was like a big pioneer for that he's the guy who founded noise trade and he kind of started there are definitely people that were doing it um and kind of paving the way for it to be a legitimate thing the problem is a lot of the companies and the, and the organizations that tried to spring up to legitimize them then it's not really a house show anymore. Then you're kind of back in a venue. So I, right. early on, I mean, I just quit school and like house shows was the only thing that was possible. I couldn't get into venues nine times out of 10 because only 20 people, if that, would come hear me play in any given town. So um, I, I think I just sort of stumbled into it by way of other friends doing it and, and really found myself enjoying it a lot just without the lights and without the stage and, and um i think a lot of concert goers and people that aren't musicians really have no idea what goes in to a band being on a stage playing for them you know and they're like 20 bucks that's so much and it's like man it's 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 a huge feat to be in a venue just to get the people to respond and to work out the deal and to do the sound check it, it just it's a lot of effort to get everybody together and do that and um doing it in houses just uh it, it sort of removes that veil too of like the separation between you and me i'm up here on the stage as the artist and you're the crowd it's like no I'm, i just i write songs like probably a lot of you in the room write songs here's my songs and like let's hang out and drink a white claw after this and talk or it it, it, it i really love them and and this year was kind of a, i got the opportunity to play like the biggest shows of my life this year in these giant theaters opening up obviously um 
and and also do some of the like smallest house shows I've done in years. And I just find myself enjoying the small ones so much more. I think the music can really connect and you can feel like a hundred percent of the people in the room want to be there and want to hear what you're getting at and, and to lean into the song instead of I'm fighting for everyone's attention and you know, I'm like here for entertainment and they just, it feels not to, to keep harping on the word like spiritual, but it just the connectedness and the, the humanness of them is really refreshing. Um, and how do you set them up typically? Are you, um, are, are they through network of friends or how does that usually work? Yeah. When I first started, I had just worked at a summer camp, which was really good because I just, I had just made all these friends that kind of lived all over the Southeast and Texas and whatever. So, um, and I didn't really have a following. So I would just hit people up and say, Hey, can I like come through play in your living room? Can you try to invite a bunch of friends? We'll do donations and I'll play some songs. Um, and, and it's still sort of that chaotic. Like there, there are, I've never, as much as the spreadsheets is a part of it, I've always been pretty bad about keeping organized with contacts and stuff. Um, so, I mean, people reach out and I, I will make posts and, and I'm probably too trusting that it'll, be a good time because there is a responsibility in like a lot of ways the host and the space can help and impact the space positively um or negatively so it, it's you know i've always been pretty like yeah let's just show up and we'll play and kind of see what happens because it is so hard to control them and make them always good tell me more about that i'd love to hear about kind of what has made for really great experience uh what has made for kind of a weak one yeah it's little things right i mean even just like lighting is huge i've i've been in the middle of a house show before i just realized like all the lights are on are in here it's really bright and people feel uncomfortable because they can all see each other you know like little attention to details and like in a venue that's someone's job and in a house it's your job and the host's job to make everybody kind of comfortable and at ease and create a space that like uh fosters conversation and art and that um and so and a lot of times that's it that happens long before you're there for the house show it's just oh the people who live here like really take time to dedicate their space to like openness and, and music and, and community and it shows it just reflects in like the ease with which everybody's interacting here and sometimes it's not that and, and that's okay too like the bottom line usually as long as i can stay comfortable and not feel overwhelmed by the social awkwardness everybody will have a good time anyway because they're just there to hear the songs and so i try not to put too much burden on the space being correct um, yeah, hosts can really, really help a lot. And just uh, this year with the house shows, we had it kind of like potluck style, like bring, if you're coming, like bring a snack, bring something to share, bring some drinks, uh, just, just to keep trying to push it towards us just all hanging out. Um, right. like we, we, I had a buddy that was kind of emceeing in, he does comedy. So he would open the show with 10 minutes of just riffing with people. And, uh, you know, when I had the social energy, I just hang out and, sit down with people and talk for 30 minutes and let them get to know me. And, um, you know, that, that the beauty of the venue is you get to just come and do your songs and leave and you don't have to sort of put all of that into it. And, and, you know, I, I get it for, for artists that there's hundreds of people that probably want to talk to them. I don't know if they can facilitate doing the house show and, and sort of learning how to talk to people that are approaching you from like, you're this big artists that they respect and love and already know a bunch about and you don't know them from anybody it, right. it, there's a lot of weird dynamics to it for sure and i've done hundreds and hundreds of house shows and, and i still feel like i have so much to learn when you come in and you enter into a new house 
uh, you're meeting the host for the first time, are you then kind of disappearing until the show occurs or where do you do go back to a bedroom it depends i i love to have a, a bedroom or a space that i can go to is is really helpful it's not you know i don't demand it by any means but most people um and and think and that's a you know thankfully having just done this for a few years a lot of the hosts i'm getting now are very stoked about my music and they're stoked to have me there and so they will just kind of respect uh, me needing space and like want me to feel good and that that's amazing that's that's all you really need is just you know to be allowed to to do whatever you need to do to get ready for the show um, but in a way it lets me take the show a little less seriously not that I'm I'm not very excited and um, prepared that I'm not always prepared but um, the more I can just feel like at any moment I can pick up an acoustic guitar and play five songs you know that well, why is that that hard and if I don't have to put on this mask and be this big performer guy, because I mean, we had house shows. We had one, um, I just remember like a bunch of shit went down in the hour leading up to when I was supposed to play. It's literally like we're outside having all this kind of personal stuff happening. And it's like, all right, well, it's 7.15. Like we got to get the show moving. And when I got ready to play, like when I got up there, I'm just like, I don't feel ready for this. And instead of having to pretend that, I just said like, hey guys, thanks for being here. Like, I'm having a really weird day. I'm going to play you some sad ones to get kind of into this. And, and, and like, I think people have just really respected my ability to like not pretend to be something I'm not hmm. when that turns on. When it's time to perform, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be right where I'm at. But the, this, and, that's, and that's where I have to trust the songs. The songs can do the work. There's nothing I have to do up there but be there and play the songs. And so... Um, yeah, they they just they just really give you freedom to kind of be yourself. But that that's a not a chore, but that's a task to learn how to do in an environment where there's 30 people there who all are there to hear you and have an opinion of you. You know, like um, to just kind of still be comfortable in your own skin has been the ultimate learning lesson. It's a new dynamic. I mean, it's kind of old and kind of new. Maybe revisiting the old, I guess. You know, like for people who have gotten used to the stage to then go back into an environment that's very intimate and very, um, it asks a lot of you to yeah. be present, right? You can't fake it Not at with all. the noise yeah. level. You know, you have to be really there. Um, how long do your, your events take? Are, are you doing an hour set? Are you hour, hour and a half kind of just depends on how it's going. I mean, lately I'll just not even really make a set list or like have a loose plan. And I, I've had a strong burden of like not wanting to overplay for years and years. And I'm, I'm getting to the point where it's like, well, I'm going to play as long as I want. People are here to see me and like, for sure. uh, I've, I've, you know, earned an hour and a half of their attention at this point but especially with opening shows and just doing a lot of that work it was always like i need to like keep this concise and get out of here and now i feel a little more relaxed to just like let it go wherever it ought to go and not try to have it too thought through um and just finding that balance like, like i said right. it's not it's not complete chaos but it, you know I'm not getting up there and winging it from 70 songs. I'm winging it out of like 25 songs that I'm ready to play. And, um, you know, I'll take requests, but sometimes I just have to be like, I don't, I don't know that one right now. You know, I got to relearn it or I'll butcher it for you if you want. But just fair warning, I, I don't know that song. Are there any uh, any house shows in particular that stand out? That you're just like, man, that was that was the one that, you know, like just for whatever reason, it all came together. There were so many. I mean, there's so many that, like, I promise myself I'll never forget, and I know they're gone. And that's the beauty of it is that they they really can just be hugely impactful to me too. Um, 
when you said that, what came to my uh, the last show? This tour was in San Francisco, and in the day before that show, uh, <laughs> the tour kind of fell apart. I mean, it was that that's you know the day I made that long dramatic post that I'm taking a break and I'm <laughs> super depressed and all that shit. It's because I, I mean I was just really really burnt out, and that you know doing three weeks of house shows is is not um, I wouldn't wish that on anybody it, it, it does cost a lot personally emotionally socially spiritually psychologically so like yeah the way i'm doing it this month it's like one show on the weekend and then that's it and that and i think that's way more uh, approachable but that to say like I, it was kind of the same thing i was probably visibly and obviously like not really doing super well um i i was getting through it and we were having fun and this one guy uh like between songs just kind of stopped and flipped the tables and said like, Hey, I just need you to know how much I appreciate what you're going through. And like, I can see that you're struggling and, and here's like all what your music has done for and he, and he went on and on and on. And he said some beautiful things. And I told him that night, like, I won't remember the content of what you said, but I'll never forget uh, how brave you were to like stop my show, which that's what it is, right. It, it, to, mm -hmm. to, to interject and take a minute to be like, Oh, like, you're not okay and we love you and we're here for you. We support, like to open it up because nobody would do that at a venue, right? Like they would get silenced or somebody would kick them out. You know, like that, that wouldn't be possible. So um, sort of opening it up to the chaos of allowing other people to be a part of it. Um, yeah, th there's just so many moments like that and um, sing-along moments and, and just things where uh, it feels like we're all together. I mean, it's heavenly. You you never want it to end. When 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 they're going well, I just wish it could never end, and I could just sit there and play songs for two days, and we could all sing them together. But and are you are you currently uh, recording new material? Are you putting new stuff together? What's Always. your what are your yeah. next steps? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not in a big hurry. We're we're making some Christmas tunes right now, just kind of because it seemed like the thing to do, and hopefully they'll get on a playlist and make a million dollars because <laughs> um, it's tough. But um, I, I recorded, I'm really like, I, I love big concept albums and stuff, but I, I kind of just feel like people's attention aren't there for it anymore. And I think I'm just going to like pour more time into doing kind of four or five song EPs and, and keeping it concise. And, and um, that lets me feel like, like, the as above so below record it was this big years long of planning and, and, and moving songs around and, and i put so much weight into like the final product and i feel like if i can just in the same way like trust the songs and and not overthink it for a year and a half of how it needs to be presented but just record them make them good find some great art have a cool concept and, and get it out of my hands so I'm, i don't have a year to overthink it and correct it mm -hmm. and perfect it um that's sort of what I'd like to move towards, but I really don't know what I'm doing. It was the truthful answer. Um, Have you been able to connect with the uh, the music culture in in Seattle? If there is still one, is it is it? I mean, I, I know in the '80s and '90s when I was around, or '90s and 2000s, it was uh, it was pretty vibrant. I don't know what's going on now with Amazon, but are there still <laughs> is there a remnant? <laughs> I uh, I play kind of this little local volunteer thing right in South Lake Union, like kind of the where a ton of the Amazon buildings are. And I was walking through that neighborhood yesterday with my guitar and just feeling so out of place. Like, what is a guitar player doing walking through here? Um, so the the truth is, I don't know. I mean, it's a big to me. It's a big city, and so there must just be so many musicians and artists and, and people creating here um 
I, I haven't really found like a place in it. And, and I don't feel here permanently. I feel here temporarily. So a lot of that's probably my own uh, not investing time and energy into like a scene that I don't uh, fully feel like I belong. I, you know, I, I love my hometown, Jacksonville, and like I feel pretty connected there. I've been flying back across the country once a month all year, which I will not do next year because it almost killed me. But um, I still feel pretty rooted there. And that's where like um, I feel like I'm a part of a scene that's growing and I, I miss it terribly. So I'm, I'm meeting people here and it's just, you know, it's just slow and I'm a little awkward socially sometimes. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm still working on it. There's great venues. And the last house show I played here was truly spectacular and like a lot of very supportive people. And um, so I, I'd like to start putting myself out more and playing here more and, and going to shows and meeting people. But I don't really know. I mean, maybe it died in the 90s. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any it. international tours at all? Are you have you looked at doing Europe or Asia? God, or? I'd love to so much. Um and, and there's there's always part of me that wonders if I'm like one of those artists that like I, I tour America and twenty five people come, but then I like go and play Europe and there's people just really stuck because you hear about that and I have oh, listeners yeah. over there on Spotify. So um, you know, I, I dream of it. I'm ready to go but it's you know I'm, I'm not as ready to like throw together a chaotic house show that i'm not sure if anybody you know it, it needs <laughs> in a life sake somewhere yeah. <laughs> um and i'm you know i'm dying and hoping to meet or get reached out to by the person that can actualize that and, and help me to move around the world a little bit but um until then i'm trying to just be content to like uh play for who i do have and where I can play and that's you know the states currently and um yeah but what, what, god that, uh, recently I've you're not the first person who's like kind of asked me that or, or brought that up to my attention and I just thought like wow that would be really cool to start getting to use that to see a little more of the world well thank you so much for coming on yeah, the man. show man I'd, I'd like to end by asking guests I'm not sure if you had a chance to think about it but you, a book that's had a significant impact on your life you asked earlier, and I don't think I ever said, but I am a big reader. I, I read every day, and yeah, I love to read. So there's there's many many books. Um, I'm torn between a couple. Um, since we did talk about religion quite a bit, I'll I'll, I'll go that route because I was thinking of novels too. But um, I read a book this year called Universal Christ. It's by a guy named Richard Rohr, and that was oh, yeah. um, it really softened so much of the anger and and frustration and hurt that i feel towards uh, organized religion or christianity in general and and sort of i have just endless hours of of church and and knowledge and, and, and thoughts about the christian tradition and i wanted to throw it out you know like like the, that frustration made me feel like i can't be a part of this anymore and the way he wrote universal christ is uh, in such an inclusive and like mind-blowing open way that it sort of put all of, a lot of that fear and anxiety to rest and like helped me integrate uh my knowledge of christianity i don't i don't really call myself a christian because i don't think jesus would care if i did or didn't but like um it helped put all of that into a much healthier headspace and so for that i'm very grateful to richard Rohr because it was really eating me up um and yeah i would just i'd recommend it to anybody you know even if you had no working knowledge or interest in christianity 
um, it's really kind of a trippy book about all of this heading towards forgiveness and inclusion for everybody, regardless of their outlook or race or beliefs or whatever. So yeah, that is, is, is a really great read. Um, I'd like to read it again. Yeah, man. He's, he's brilliant. Well, thank you so much. It, it was really, really great having this conversation. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to see you on Saturday. Yeah, don't buy a ticket or anything. Just Oh, that's uh, done. You're getting some yeah. money from me, buddy. You're done? Oh, all right. <laughs> fine. I need the money. So. Right on. Let's go. Let's go have a beer on Saturday. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Let's do it, dude. All right, man. Well, that's it. In case you're wondering, his show was absolutely fantastic. If you ever have the opportunity to catch one of Corey's house shows, you definitely got to do it. Be sure to check out Corey's music on Spotify and follow him at Corey underscore Kilgannon on the grams and Twitter. If you're an artist looking to do house shows or would like to host or are just curious, be sure to check out our website at threshold.co. And until next time, peace.